Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode of All the Books is sponsored by Book Riot's own Read Harder Journal. Created by us, this smartly designed reading log consists of entry pages to record stats, impressions, and reviews of each book you read. Evenly interspersed among the entry pages are 12 challenges inspired by Book Riot's annual Read Harder initiative, which began in 2015 to encourage readers to pick up passed over books, try out new genres, and choose titles from a wider range of voices and perspectives. Indulge your inner book nerd and read a book about books. Get a new perspective on current events by reading a book written by an immigrant, find a hidden gem by reading a book published by an independent press, and so much more. Each challenge insp- includes an inspiring quotation, an explanation of why the challenge will prove to be rewarding, and five book recommendations from us that fulfill the challenge. And please note, the challenges in the journal are not connected specifically to the 2019 Read Harder initiative or any particular year. So if you're participating with Read Harder online, you'll get extra bonuses in this Read Harder journal and space to record thoughts about all the books you read. Go to bookriot.com slash journal to learn more. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 193, and today we are talking about books being released on January 29th, 2019, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello, hello. Hello there. How's it going in baby it's... animal land? <laughs> it's good. We're both in baby yeah, animal land. It's um, something. <laughs> yeah, my baby animal is currently cooperating. He's happily napping in his crate, but it is very rainy here today, and he is a dog who likes water. So I have spent most of my day like working for 20 minutes and then spending five minutes wrestling him to the ground so that I can towel him off, and then he goes back outside. Fluffy <laughs> so, dog! Yep. That's cute. Yeah, nothing like the smell of wet dog, but <laughs> <laughs> he's really cute, so it's okay. Like I'm fully understanding and being reminded of like this is why baby mammals are adorable so that you don't kill them yes. when they are naughty. Yeah. It is also are things in Oh, sorry. In kitten land. Yeah. <laughs> it's also raining very hard here today, but the kittens don't go outside and I'm sure that they probably wouldn't want to anyway. They they don't seem to enjoy water. Well, so Yeah. That's not usually on the cat feature set. Nope. No. But there are two of them, so they are twice as much trouble. But Again, yeah, yeah. because they're double, so double. cute, you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> you just pulled all the tissues out of that box. That's so cute. Awesome. <laughs> you just pulled down all those books off the shelf. Ah, that's cute. Oh, that's – yeah, the level of chaos with kittens where they can just get everywhere is a thing that I don't think I could handle. Yeah, it's like newborns that can move around with fangs. It's just like, oh, no, they do all you. the things newborns mm-hmm. do, but they're mobile. So, like, it's just like, ah. But it doesn't last nearly as long. So, that in that respect, I'm lucky. That's true. <laughs> little fanged babies. 
Oh, well, we're surviving. Somehow we're still getting books read. I'm yes. not really sure how that's happening, but it's oh, happening. It's hard. So, um, so before I, I tell you about my first book, I just want to say that last week I talked about Dreyer's English by Benjamin Dreyer, which apparently mm-hmm. the date got moved. It, it, this, ha- oh. this is a thing in publishing that happens all the time now. It did not used to happen this frequently. It does and seem to happen a lot. I cannot. I try to catch up, and lots of times they'll send a press release being like, we've changed the date, and I did not get one for this for that book. So for those of you who were looking for it last week, I'm very sorry. Um, it is awesome, and you should look for it today. So speaking of awesome, uh, my first pick is We Cast a Shadow by Maurice Carlos Ruffin. It's fantastic. Oh my goodness. Uh, it's it's like The Sellout by Paul Beatty. It's this incredible satire about race in America. It's set in post-post-racial America, which is the <laughs> joke right there because there is no post-racial America. And it features an unnamed narrator, which you know how I love an unnamed narrator. So the narrator of this book is a father and a lawyer, and he has a biracial son named Nigel. Um, they're living in this unnamed town in the south it's very dangerous. There's a lot of police violence. There's a lot of crime. Uh, and the father is working very hard to make partner at his firm, uh, which includes, like, several, like, strange requests. He has to jump through all these hoops to, to get it. It's kind of like a hazing. Um, these are the good old boys. And he's doing this, as humiliating and horrible as it is, because he's trying to get money, because he wants uh, to get a procedure for his son, which is called a complete demelanization. It's a procedure which lightens the skin, uh, thins the lips and nose. He thinks that the only chance for Nigel to survive in this new world, which is really like the old world, is by being white. And it's about how it affects Nigel, um, you know, his father wanting him to have the surgery. It's about how it affects the narrator. It's a powerful statement on America, um, wrapped up in the story of a father's love. It's just so incredible. I could not believe it when I finished it. I was just like, oh, that was so good. Um, I can't wait to see what else he does. So it is called We Cast a Shadow, and it is by Maurice Carlos Ruffin. I've been hearing so many good things about that one. I cannot wait to get to it. I'm thinking National Book Award. Not many. Long list, at least. All right. You heard it here first, people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My first pick this week is one that I highlighted, I think, when we were looking at 2019 anticipated releases, and I'm so pleased that it's out today. It's Deep Creek, Finding Hope in the High Country by Pam Houston, who I just adore. Um, Her fiction tends to bring in a lot of autobiographical elements. And this is a memoir, just straight up um, memoir, essay-ish, sort of interesting blend about her life in the Colorado Rockies. When she was, um, I think in her early 30s, and she had just sold her first book, she bought this 120-acre homestead, like way up high, where they get jillions of feet of snow every year. Um, She didn't know anything about ranching. She didn't know anything about raising a lot of animals. She didn't know about how to take care of land like that. But um, something in her connected with being in this very wild and often unpredictable and possibly dangerous place. And she had a really, really awful childhood. Um, Trigger warning for parental, um, for parental abuse, for child abuse, for um, particularly sexual abuse. She speaks very openly and in pretty good detail about that in the book. So um, be warned if that is something that you're sensitive to in your reading. Um, But she writes about you know, how kind of how she arrived in adulthood after what kind of very long 
difficult um, and painful childhood and how being connected to nature and having this ranch brought her back to herself. Um, And then now that she's been living there for a couple of decades, the experiences that she's had um, and seeing the land, like seeing the land change, seeing wildfires over the last couple of years, especially threaten the land. And the book really poses the question about like, how do we love nature? How do we live in connection with nature and also grieve for what we have done to nature? and the natural world at the same time? How do you exist inside that tension? Um, It's really just thoughtful, so profound about her relationship to nature. And I think if you're a person who connects with nature at all, that, um, that you'll find a lot to relate to as well. But she's also just a really beautiful writer. Um, It's so meditative. And the sentences are just often kind of like shockingly wonderful. Not because it's a surprise that she writes a great sentence, but like just what she's talking about is so absorbing that all of a sudden you're like, whoa, that was just like, that was a wonderfully absorbing sentence, but also look how beautiful her use of language is. Um, it's, she's one of my favorite writers. This is one of my um, favorite books to date about uh, a personal experience and connection with nature that really asks universal broad questions. Um, and I just really loved it. So that's Deep Creek by Pam Houston. Awesome. All right. Would you like to hear about our first sponsor this week? Yes, I would. All right. Our first sponsor this week is Flare Up by Shannon Stacy. Nursing a broken heart while everybody around him seems to be drowning in happiness has Grant Cutter wondering whether staying with Engine 59 or even Boston Fire is in his future. It's tempting as hell to pack up what fits in his Jeep and hit the road. But then a 911 call brings the woman who shattered his heart back into his life and he knows he won't ever be able to fully leave her in his rearview mirror. Flare Up is the sixth and the final book in the fan favorite Boston Fire series. So don't miss this brand new novel from New York Times bestselling author Shannon Stacy. You can meet the tough, dedicated men of Boston Fire and the women who turned their lives upside down. The Boston Fire series are contemporary romances featuring sexy firefighters and the women who capture their hearts. So, you know, it's cold. It's January. We're in the middle of winter. Get things heated up with a little romance. Again, that is Flare Up by Shannon Stacy. Awesome. Mm-hmm. My next book, I have, I have no segue whatsoever. Um, it's The Falconer by Dana Sapanek, and it's set in New York in 1993. It's about a 17-year-old girl named Lucy. She's very street smart. She is also a great basketball player. She loves hanging around the courts. Uh, she's probably like the only girl who ever hangs out there. Um, she's secretly in love with her best friend, Percy. And while she is pining away, she befriends a pair of women. They are bohemian artists, the the very, you know, like, um, fabulous artists of that, that era when we still, like, romance, like, living in New York and, and trying to make it. When you actually could do that, like like Patti Smith used to do, you know, we could actually go there and, like, live on nothing. And, and uh, she becomes wrapped up in their world, um, but then learns that not all glitter, not all that glitters is gold, uh, so it's this beautiful novel about growing up uh, in a time where girls are supposed to be crazy about boys and love dresses. The title of the book comes from a statue that she sees in Central Park of a boy with a falcon, and she's irritated that um, boys get to sort of like just be boys in art, whereas women are always like children or naked or, you know, it's, mm. it's something like that. So um, that's where the title comes from. And... 
she's just, you know, navigating, it's about navigating the world when you don't fit in and when you don't feel loved. Um, it's a wonderful slice of life novel, like a, like a great New York City novel. Uh, so again, it is The Falconer and it is by Dana Sapanek. All right. My next one this week is Black is the Body, Stories from My Grandmother's Time, My Mother's Time, and Mine by Emily Bernard. This is also a memoir in essays. It's um, eight Eight, no, 12. It's a collection of 12 pieces. Um, Emily Bernard is a black woman. She has a PhD from Yale. She grew up um, in the South, uh, but married a white man from the North. And she lives now in Burlington, Vermont, where she teaches at the University of Vermont. And that is a very interesting and unusual experience for a black woman to have. There are not very many black people in that part of the country. Um, so the book is about race, but also about her life. And of course, her life is informed by the fact that she's a black woman. Um, the pieces explore her family history. There's one about um, the time that she was she was part of a random stabbing in a coffee shop in the mid 90s, which had nothing to do like she was not attacked because of her race, but her race shaped her experience of that moment. Uh, there's a really terrific essay um, that asks just so many questions, especially of white readers, about teaching the N-word um, in a class that she teaches where she is a Black woman teaching a class of all white students, um, and they start exploring the uses of the N-word in fiction and in essays and who's allowed to say it and who's not allowed to say it and why would we say it um, and re sort of wrestling with that issue. Uh, there's one about what it is to be a bunch of white people's only black friend. Um, and the ways that she discusses race with those friends is um, very, just very open and it's challenging. Um, as a white reader, I found this to be challenging in, a, in an important way. And like those are just a few of the examples <laughs> of, of fascinating pieces. Um, I think she melds the personal essay form with um, larger academic and social questions in a way that's really interesting too. And I'm glad to have discovered her voice. She also has a book that I'm going to be picking up um, that came out previously called Some of My Best Friends that's about interracial friendships. Um, and a lot of her work centers on the idea that um, in order for race relations to change on a grand scale, individuals need to have intimate, you know, close friendships and romantic relationships with people who are not the same race as they are. Um, and she writes about that throughout the book as well. I found it to be really thought-provoking, um, just a fascinating life and a perspective that I hadn't encountered in quite this way before. So that's Black is the Body by Emily Bernard. My next pick is 99% Not Mine by Sally Thorne. It's lots of fun. She is the author of The Hating Game, which I think came out last year. That's also a good time. This one is about a woman named Darcy. She thinks that she has found the perfect man in Tom. Uh, she's known him for a very long time. Because he also happens to be her twin brother Jamie's BFF. And though there are sparks between Darcy and Tom, there is that sort of unwritten rule that you don't get involved with your friend's sister, <clears throat> Chandler Bing. Um, so Darcy is a photographer. She's kind of like, I've met the perfect man. He's not mine. But I'm going to travel around the world and I'm going to find someone else who's like Tom. But she travels, and she doesn't meet anybody like Tom. She thinks, like, he is the perfect man. Uh, so she's kind of, like, down about it. And then she inherits a cottage. She and her brother inherit a cottage. Um, and they're told that they need to restore it and sell it. So they 
I enlist Tom in in helping them do that. And so Darcy has decided that while Tom is around and sparks are flying, not just with the power tools, uh, that she is going to make Tom hers once and for all. So it's sort of like a friends to lovers or like a second chance at romance novel, if you like those. Uh, if you're a hopeless romantic, it's a fun read. So again, it is 99% Mine by Sally Thorne. Okay. And tell me about our next sponsor. <gasps> yes. It's really good. It's The Plotters by Unsu Kim. I really, really, really liked this. The Plotters is like if Wes Anderson wrote a thriller. An ensemble cast of eccentric characters come together to form a truly unique crime novel. Set in an alternate soul where assassins gather in a headquarters known as the library, the story follows Racing, a lifelong hitman whose every move is dictated by the anonymous plotters. Then one day, Racing steps out of line on a job and finds himself embroiled in a deadly scheme that's totally off-book. From the writer The Guardian calls the Korean Henning Mankel, The Plotters is a stylish and sarcastic thriller that will appeal to literary readers. Antagonists include a trio of quirky sisters, a cross-eyed librarian, a chronic knitter, and a convenience store clerk. Bodies are burned in a place called Bear's Pet Crematorium. Racing's mentor is named Old Raccoon, and the hitman himself has two cats named Desk and Lampshade. It's completely, <laughs> completely wacky. And it is, like, it really will appeal to literary thrillers. Like, if you like books, it, they love books in this book. There's this part at the very beginning where he's um, been taken in by Old Raccoon and he's learning to read uh, secretly. Old Raccoon doesn't realize that he's doing this. And when he catches him reading, he's very, very, very angry. And in racing, can't, can't understand, like, why he would be upset that he learned how to read. And he's like, because now you're going to experience, like, disappointment and heartbreak. And you're going to, like, know all these horrible emotions. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then he reads this book and, and something bad and it happens. And he's, like, so upset. And he's like, oh, I totally get it now. It's just, it's so weird and fun. I just loved it. So, again, that is The Plotters. It's by Unsu Kim. And we thank them for sponsoring. All right. So this next one is going to be like a Liberty Rebecca dual recommendation because we we couldn't we both loved it and we couldn't decide who should get to talk about it. So um, it's Notes on a Nervous Planet by Matt Haig. Uh, This is how would you like the format is kind of hard to describe. It's like little short, a whole bunch of little vignettes that are connected by questions and concerns about how to live in the modern world and stay sane and healthy, basically. Yeah, that's a good um, way to say it. Okay. He talks about um, his own personal experiences with anxiety and depression and panic disorder. He writes about this thing that we all, I think, struggle with about how do you use technology in a way that's beneficial to you and not feel like you are a slave to technology? Um, how do we like? How do we manage social media? How do we sleep enough? No. Um, getting enough exercise, having a relationship with nature. There are like some very practical tips, I think, um, some really personal uh, experiences and meditations on those. And then a lot of stuff feels to me also kind of like uh, mindfulness coaching in a way. Um, it's I thought it was really lovely um, and also very vulnerable in the not just what he shares, but in how he shares it, um, taking his own personal experiences and placing them in the context of this world that we live in. And the I thought the title also was really great that he's talking about notes on a nervous planet. And it's both nervous as in like, we are all anxious all the time, but also that the internet connects us in a way that um, humanity has not been previously connected and sort of forms this nervous system that um, makes our 
ideas contagious and makes our feelings contagious and makes the things that we worry about contagious, that um, what one of us puts out into the world can affect all of us um, in a way that is new and bigger than the connections that we've had in, you know, it, uh, up until now in history. Um, I thought it was just really like encouraging and thoughtful and exactly the kind of book you should read in January. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's really great. He's always been very open and honest about his depression and about his anxiety. Um, his last book was called mm. Reasons to Stay Alive, which was also very good. Um, so not to get up on a soapbox on the show again so soon after the, the drug talk, um, I still want to, I wanted to share this with you because I, um, with you, I wanted to share the pick with you, Rebecca, because I wanted to say mm. that I think it's important, just like talking about addiction, it is important to talk about these things. And I think that we have made steps in society as far as like people uh, talking about having depression and anxiety, but it's there's still quite a stigma surrounding it, and the gradual change isn't happening fast enough for some people. Um, we're still losing people. It's still hard for people. And the more people that step up and say, you know, I'm having problems, I need help, um, talk about what they're dealing with, I think the better it will be for everyone. Um, so like I said, I, I don't want to turn this into a podcast about my own problems, but I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. Um, cause I feel safe here with you, Rebecca, and with everyone mm -hmm. else. Um, so everyone knows that, uh, I had a cat named Steinbeck. I loved him very much. He died eight weeks ago and it hit me very hard. I couldn't sleep. I was having nightmares. I started to worry about everything. Like even more, I'm a worrier as it is. And I was just worrying about everything. Like it's called catastrophic thinking, which is kind of funny. Catastrophic thinking. Um, but still not funny. And I, I wasn't sleeping at all. And I kept, you know, saying to my friends, like, I'm not sleeping. And, and I became dangerously sleep deprived. I mean, I was, I was delirious. I was slurring my words and I just couldn't let myself sleep because I was worried that something terrible was going to happen. And I had amazing friends who supported me the whole time. And I just felt like my problems weren't important enough. You know, like I was upset about a cat dying when there are so many more horrible things going on every second in the world. But it was the worst thing that happened to me. And everyone's, you know, individual problems are important. And so yesterday I asked for help and I got it. And today I already feel 10 times better. And so I just want to tell people that, you know, the world is a really hard place and just being alive in it is an amazing thing, you know, doing it every day. And so don't be afraid to ask for help because, you know, you are important and you are doing a great job. So that's what I have to say. Thank you. That's, it is really important. And I think that I, well, I speak for myself in appreciating your bravery and openness sharing your experiences with me but also I know I speak for our listeners and the community and it's you know it's not just people listening to a podcast this has become something that's really a two-way endeavor um and so I know that our community appreciates this and that I'm confident you're helping someone by sharing this today Lib well thank you yeah Whew. all right all right well it's my turn to cry <laughs> I know. What a pair we are. <laughs> <laughs> My last pick this week is not a book that's new, um, but that I wanted to sort of, I, I shared it when it came out last year. I recommended it, um, but I want to bring it back up for people's attention um, because Mary Oliver, the beloved poet, died last week. As we are recording this, it will have been about two weeks by the time the show comes out. 
um, at the age of 83. And her work, as you know, if you have listened to this show or if you follow me anywhere online, um, has been really grounding and very formative to um, to me as a person, um, my understanding of what kind of person that I want to be, what it is to live in the world and to really experience it, um, to have a relationship to nature and to pay attention in life. And uh, I felt very, uh, I'll say, seen and cared for when she passed because I received so many kind messages from so many of you. And um, one of the things that I received as well were a lot of questions about where to start with her work. There are so many poetry collections, and poetry can be intimidating in general. Hers is very accessible. Um, so I would encourage you to let go of that if you've been afraid of poetry as a whole. Um, but if you have never read Mary Oliver before, Devotions uh, is the newest collection of her work. It came out last year. It's in a beautiful hardcover. It's a little on the pricey side, but it is a capsule of her entire career. There are 200 poems that span her life's work. Um, it will give you an introduction to her. It will give you a taste of the different collections if you want to go, you know, take a deeper dive into any of those specific collections. It's also, I think, really cool to see the arc of her career, um, the questions that she's always been concerned with, but how her exploration of those changed and deepened over many decades. Um, and if you are not feeling like spending 40 bucks on a hardcover, I would recommend New and Selected Poems, Volume 1, uh, which also is a great snapshot of a lot of her work. And will like if you like what you find there, you're going to like Mary Oliver and go deeper. If that's not your flavor, then like you'll get that from New and Selected Poems, Volume 1. You can conclude that and then you can move right along. But if you've been thinking about um, exploring some of her work in light of her passing, is this is a thing that happens. Someone, a writer dies and people decide, oh, I, I want to find out what that's all about. I would recommend devotions wholeheartedly. Um, I have treated that book as a devotional for like morning readings, and it's, it is a lovely way to begin your day or to have any moment of your day. So that is Devotions by Mary Oliver. That was lovely. I'm so, <sighs> it's, life is hard. Feel, could we like <laughs> – I was joking with my therapist a couple of weeks ago, like how great would it be if we could just like go on vacation from having feelings sometimes? Oh, I would love it. <laughs> Like, doing this work is important in your life, but also a break would be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so on that note. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to read now? Oh, I'm still reading, um, I think I mentioned this on, on the Backlist show, but um, I'm reading Good Talk by Mira Jacobs, which is her oh. graphic memoir. I feel so weird saying graphic about books because then it just makes me think like explicit you know mm. like or like when we say like adult books it makes me think explicit I don't know um but it's her uh she does illustrations about conversations that she had with her young son regarding race and love and and fear and it's just it's so good very excited it comes out at the end of March what are you gonna read next oh I'm gonna read a sad one oh. um the un the unwinding of the miracle by Julie Yip Williams. It's a memoir of life, death, and everything that comes after. Um, she was born in Vietnam. She's blind. And her grandmother wanted um, to euthanize her when she was a child. Uh, her family fled Vietnam in the late 70s. And they made it to Hong Kong and then ultimately America, um, where she had surgery that helped her regain some of her sight. 
Um, she is now a Harvard-educated lawyer, and then at the age of 37 with two daughters, she was diagnosed with terminal metastatic colon cancer. And this is a um, – I guess I haven't started it yet, but I'm ready. Uh, a look at death and dying and serious illness and how it shapes her family um, and how she comes to understand herself through that experience and some of those big questions. I like books about these big, difficult parts of life. Um, so I'm not expecting this to be a fun read, but I think it will be um, edifying. Yeah. That's a hard one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there are a few memoirs that are coming out in the next few months that I was like, whew. Yeah. Going to take a deep breath. Yeah. Make the dog sit on my lap while I read it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's our show this week. Awesome. Thank you all, as always, for listening. And thank you to our sponsors. You can pick up Flare Up by Shannon Stacy and The Plotters by Unsue Kim, wherever books are sold or find a link to them in our show notes. If you have something to say to us, you can drop us a line at allthebooks at bookriot.com or talk to us on Twitter. I'm Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. Liberty is Miss Liberty. And if you've got a minute to rate or review the show on Apple Podcasts, we certainly appreciate it. And it helps more people find their way to us. And as much as we would love to make you sadder, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And in the meantime. And in the meantime. Happy reading. reading.